Okay, so today we're on the theme of emotional intelligence and how it could be effective in the field. They've realized, they've, they've, they've tested people, they've seen that people with super high IQs and things like that, ranging from anything north of 130, um, they realize that anything past 130 is kind of diminishing returns in the, in the sense that it doesn't make you more successful in life. It's, it's like textbook intelligence, but it's not practical intelligence, mm -hmm. which is way more important. Practical intelligence combines IQ and uh, emotional intelligence. Is that like book smart versus street smarts? Or exactly, exact, sure. exactly that, yeah. And, the, and that's, how we, that's, that's definitely how we say it today, and that's definitely what the case is. But practical intelligence will take you much farther. Um, they, they end up finding this man on a, on a farm and kind of near where we're uh, near our area. I think it's like uh, Kearney, Missouri, which is outside of Kansas City. Oh, yeah. And this guy's IQ is like 160. His IQ is a little, you know, a little bit past Einstein's was. And this guy can tell you everything about everything in the sun. But as far as monetary gain, as far as financial gain, as far as um, our idea of success, he wasn't that. But this guy could win any Jeopardy game. And what he was lacking was practical intelligence. And practical intelligence is, is that grip on emotional intelligence for you to read the room and know how people are feeling or at least be curious on how people are feeling enough so we can move up these, you know, move up the ladder enough so that you can sustain your position. Yeah. Um, and so to avoid that trap of being that guy who's super aware of all of the mechanics of things, you have to get going. You have to take action. You have to actually try to. Um, you have to show up in different ways because you don't want to be that person who just knows but doesn't apply. And, we all know a filmmaker or an aspiring filmmaker in our community, in our family, our niece or our nephew. Give them a course. Give them our course. Whether talk them into it or talk them out of it, based off their actual potential in this industry. We have a team of experts, but there's just not too many experts out there. So seats are limited. So go to blackhollywood.pro. Once again, that's blackhollywood.pro and save your seat today. Enroll now. Since Hollywood has shut down due to selfish studios, independent films have become all the more important. Indie films comply with SAG and make sure actors are properly compensated. There's a film company, Black Hollywood Pro, that is helping filmmakers bring their vision to life. You can go to blackhollywood.pro and schedule a consultation today. If you're an independent filmmaker or you have a film vision or you just wanna make your first movie, go to blackhollywood.pro and schedule a consultation today. Since Hollywood has shut down due to selfish studios, independent films have become all the more important. Indie films comply with SAG and make sure actors are properly compensated as well. There's a film company, Black Hollywood Pro, that is helping filmmakers bring their vision to life. You can go to blackhollywood.pro today and schedule a consultation. If you're a filmmaker or you're a writer and you want to bring your film to life, go to blackhollywood.pro and partner with one of our so, producers today. Wait, 
this episode and the episode previous to this one, we're, kind of, we're talking about that practical intelligence, the thing that's more important than IQ alone. I agree. <clears throat> um, with that, what scenario have you been in that you felt like you could have used more awareness, more social awareness, more emotional awareness, uh, you don't give the exact time or you know timestamp on that and where, but what situation you were in that you felt like okay if I approach this again if I could have a chance to go back and approach it again, I could have left a better impression in the room. No, that's a good that's a good question. I remember when, at least in in eighth grade. I was mid, no, like the beginning of my eighth grade year, I had to move schools. Okay. I had moved to a new school because we were moving and, um, you know, new school district. Well, same school district, but just different school. Uh So I remember in my old school, I wasn't really the most popular guy. People thought I was annoying. People thought I was a pest, yada, yada, yada. What what year is this again? I'm sorry. 2008. Okay. But uh, what grade would that have been for you? Eighth grade. Oh, eighth grade. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, you're good. You're good. But, uh, but... At my old school, people thought I was a pest, people thought I was annoying, people thought I was, you know, I, I wasn't the most popular guy. Everyone knew me, but I wasn't the most popular guy. So I made a point of I'm going to move to this, when I move, I'm going to try to become the most popular guy. I'm going to be a cool guy, yada, yada, yada. So I moved to this new school and I tried to fit in with everyone. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I try to be everyone's friend. I try to be cool with everyone. But I realized that I was actually, a lot of people were pushing me away. Okay. Even though they were letting me in, they were right. pushing me away. Right. You know what I mean? It's because I was trying too hard. I was I trying see. to be like popular. I was trying to get everyone's numbers. I was trying to get everyone's Facebook, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. And Facebook days. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> and, um, and it was just very, it was very, very hard for me to adjust because I was this way at this school and this was a good way for me to start fresh. Right. Where I came off as too overbearing and too, too strong. You know what I'm saying? And if I had to do it over again, going into a new environment, I I was quiet when I first moved there for like the first three a week. You know right. what I mean? I probably would have been quiet longer, a lot longer. Okay. And that's actually, believe it or not, that's exactly what I did my ninth grade year. Because <laughs> I moved to a new school again. <laughs> Same school district, just a different school. Yeah. I was very quiet. Because I didn't want to come off as too whatever, you know. Yeah. But even I still had trouble with that. But just focusing on eighth grade year, I would have tr- I would have observed more. Uh huh. You know what I mean? Now that I'm older and now that I'm a lot more mature, right? I would have observed more of how the inner school dynamics went, how different groups interacted with each other, how the black people at this school interacted with each other, how the white people at this school interacted with each mm-hmm, other, because it's mm-hmm. different from the black people and white people in my old school. Okay. So it's weird, man. Now that I'm 28, mm-hmm. if I was to put my 28-year-old mind into my eighth grade mind, I, or, and, you know, we always do this, yeah, or even yeah. our 16-year-old mind, right. like, yo, we yeah. would do things way differently. Like it's a video game or something. Yeah. Like, we'll go back, like, I'll dominate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, dude, it'll be over. Like, if I go yeah. back, if I go back, even put my mindset right now, my freshman year in yeah. college, it's yeah. all like, oh my God, dude, it's over. You know what I mean? But that's what it means to get older and mature because you realize things yeah. and you adjust. But that's but answering your question, 
in eighth grade, that's definitely what I, uh, I feel like that's a great example. Because I went into this new school trying to be the most popular kid. I came off as creepy, weird, all this stuff. Yeah. And it was, it was too much. Right. And I would have just been a lot more observant, mm-hmm. would have been a lot more quiet, mm-hmm. would have never tried to jump into a group immediately. It's okay to make friends. Right. But it's like jumping into a group and trying to be a certain way and trying to do a certain thing. It's just um, when you're new. You know, because these kids have known each other for almost three years. I've only known them for three weeks. You know what I mean? So there's a difference. Right. So, but uh, what about you, man? Is there like an example that you would have done, like you would have done something different? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I had had a question for you as well, but let me go ahead. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, uh, Finish off that. I was piggyback on that. So basically, if you could go back to your eighth grade self, obviously you would maneuver things differently a lot we all, differently we, we, all, we all have that fantasy of just like dropping back 10 years into something dropping yeah. back 15 years into something we know would kill it in that scenario what things do you think 10 years from now that you'll look back on uh, about your 28 year old self that you'll say if I could just slightly nudge this thing I would do it different have a little bit more of a structured schedule okay like instead of I, sometimes I find myself after I complete my task I don't have anything to do. Okay. So a part of me is like, do I keep going? Because mm-hmm. I wake up so early. Right. Sometimes I gotta like, I forget about that. I wake up so early and I get started on things early that right. by the time it's two o'clock, it's like I'm done with everything. Uh-huh. So what I do between two and nine when I go to sleep, do I go back and look over everything, you know, just look over everything again? Yeah. Or do I just chill and relax? Right. And I know this isn't really a great example, but I think 10 years from now, I think my 38-year-old self would be like, dude, you need to go out, go out and do stuff more. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you need to get out. Like, I, I, I just go for walks, especially during the week. Yeah. I just, I don't really, during the weekend, I go out and do stuff, but during the week, I just don't. Right. So I need to, um, I need to go out more and right. go to more networking events and interact with people. Uh-huh. And that's something that I do need to, uh, it's just right now just busy with the movie. Of course. And I got a lot of stuff going on, a lot of good stuff, you know, right. not, not, oh, yeah. I mean, not busy stuff. work, but actually business work, you know what I mean? Right. So, but right now I would, and my coworkers gave me shit about this like yesterday that I need to go out and have more, just go out and have more fun. Yeah. Yeah. What yeah. about you? For me, you know, if I, you know, jumping 10 years from now, looking back, or even jumping, or even today, looking back on last year, the year before, you know, one thing that I've always had, especially in my adult life, I didn't have it as much in my youth, was uh, a leadership mentality. I was, I was good at getting, getting the job done for the collective, in a way. Um, you know, I had a group of friends that I helped, uh, you know, kind of housed a lot of people when they first came out here type of thing. I helped steer them uh, or helped, you know, us all stay out here a little bit longer. And that happens. I have another friend who did the same thing with his friends back in New Orleans, and he just got put everybody on. And so they call it a linchpin in business, connect people together and things mm-hmm. like that. The problem I had with it was the, the, the spearheading part was seemed to be great, but, um, you know, never follow a leader that loves power more than they love people. That's one thing everyone should take away from this. That's great. That's a great quote, man. And and that and that and that's something that we a, a lot of people trip up, trip up on. The reason why is a lot of the leaders that we see are leading for power. Um, 
there's nothing wrong with that. Just make sure your love for people outweighs your love for your power. Love for power, right? And so, with that being the case, um, you know, I thought everyone's metric of success, and their part is, I thought everyone's metric of success was the same metric that I thought success was. I thought success was to make it in this industry and, and do this and do that and have the car, have the house that over, you know, the house where I wanted, maybe multiple houses in different cities and things like that. So my metrics of success was very, um, very stationary. It's just a one thought of this is success, nothing else is success. Other people had metrics of success was family. I kind of disregard, I disregarded that. Other people mentioned success was uh, you know their happiness, or you know, uh, and I disregarded that. And so these people around me, little did I know, were brewing up some sort of not necessarily resentment towards me, though I just wasn't being emotionally intelligent. Even though the, um, even though the you know like that textbook intelligence or IQ took place in that scenario. The practical intelligence was just out of the window because sure. I wasn't I wasn't listening, and so when you guys get into, when people get into acting, bringing it back to that, you're gonna realize that there's this reoccurring theme in acting, reoccurring theme in acting, reoccurring theme in acting, reoccurring theme in life. It all comes back to us listening more, and it's so it's so bizarre because we all worry about what to say. It's like it, it really comes down to how long to listen. Um. And that's what and they said. Respect is solely based off of how long you listen. That's how someone knows they're respected or not, based off how long you listen. And it's not really about what you say. And listening is not just you hearing them speak, but it's also listening to um, the tone and how that person feels. So if I can go back, I would definitely. Um, I was, I've always been empathetic, but I used to suppress it to try to show this leadership. If I can go back, I would um, I would go about it in a more healthy, sustainable way. And the reason why we focus on the social aspect of life so much is because it is an interdependent world. It, 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 you know, no man's an island, and you do need people. We're social creatures. We do need people to get exactly. any any goal done. You, you can be the most selfish, the most narcissistic, narcissistic, the most sociopathic person in the world. At the end of the day, we all want to be loved. That as well. Yeah. We all I've never loved. met or ever heard of a human being that did not want to be loved. And not loved as in, oh, popularity, yada, yada, yada. I mean loved as in, like, loved as in by other people or by that one person. But like Chad said, it takes no man as an island. Right. And I've realized that if, if I was, if I was actually, I want to kind of change my answer. Mm-hmm. If I was tell my, if I was thirty eight, when I am thirty eight, I will tell my twenty eight year old self, twenty seven, twenty six, twenty five, you can't do this by yourself. Yeah, you have to yeah. collaborate with others. Right. You cannot do, you cannot do this by yourself. Be patient. You can't do this by yourself. And I want to say this last point because, because you know, we're we're entering this field, we're learning every day. We're not going to be the pinnacles of this industry that we're speaking about. We're, we're learning with you guys. But one thing I do want to say is to validate what you're saying, what I'm saying, is uh, Warren Buffett had an interview, and he's, uh, Warren Buffett's 91. He had an interview at 91, right? This guy started, 
trading stocks, uh, started investing at 11 years old, 80 years ago. Jesus. And what he said is, they asked him what's his favorite part about what he does. He said, my favorite thing is having people believe in me with their money, to be, that, that can grow it still. When people, give, you know, my, my friends and my family give me their money to grow it. That's my favorite part about this. He said, I could, sure, I could have done some things faster without um, having this team and stuff like that, but none of it would be meaningful if I didn't have this team. And so if Warren Buffett can say that the greatest investor, you know, uh, who are, you know, you and I to say that, you know, doing this alone and getting to the top is the most important thing. All right. So that's just, that's just a food for thought. This is Black Hollywood. Gonna be great.